I'm Susan Swain, host of C-SPAN's Q&A, where we spend an hour with nonfiction writers and historians who add context to today's news. 2020 is the 30th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act. To mark it, we asked actor Nick Novicki to tell us about the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge, which he founded and directs. He introduces this year's top contest winners and their entries, which showcase personal stories of people living with a disability. It's the seventh annual Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge. Registration is officially open. Every year, teams in the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge make short movies showcasing disability in its many forms. We're helping make the world more inclusive. Every year, we get more amazing films, more supporters, more content to all the people with disabilities. Thank you. Nick Novicki, the Easter Seals Disability Challenge was your brainchild. We were just watching a bit of this year's ceremony, August 2020. Uh, what is the contest? Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me on. The Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge is a weekend film competition where over the course of a weekend, participants write, shoot, edit, and create three to five minute films that have somebody with a disability in front of or behind the camera. Now, what was unique is normally these are narrative films, but this year, because of the coronavirus, we ultimately made it a documentary short film competition that participants could make films from the safety of their home. And we had the most films ever submitted this year, so I'm really excited. How did the contest get started? So a little bit of background about me. Um, I know we're in a Zoom world, uh, and I'm sitting down so you can't really tell, but I'm a little person. I'm three foot 10 and I'm an actor, comedian and producer. And, and ultimately, you know, it was my dream to act. Uh, I went to business school and after graduating, I, I continued doing stand up and, and acting. And I learned really early in my career that I had to be in charge in all facets of my career, writing, shooting, creating my own content. And ultimately work led to work for me. I've been really lucky that I've been in over 40 TV shows and movies. But ultimately, a lot of my work has been for me creating my own content. And work leads to work. To date, I've been in over 40 TV shows and movies. I've worked with Martin Scorsese, the Farley Brothers. And about seven and a half years ago, I looked around and I was like, why aren't more people with disabilities creating their own content? So I created the Disability Film Challenge as a way to jumpstart other people with disabilities to create their own content and ultimately change the way the world views and defines disability. And I've been really honored that I, I partnered with Easter Seals Southern California in 2017. And I don't know if you're familiar, but Easter Seals is the nation's largest disability services organization. They've been around for a hundred years, changing the way the world views disability. And together we've really taken the film challenge to the next level. And it's created so many jobs for people with disabilities, but ultimately, What's great about the film challenge is everyone is aware of the problem. There is a real lack of opportunity and exposure of people with disabilities in front of and behind the camera. The Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge is a tangible solution where people with disabilities can get involved and also studios and networks can. So it's been amazing to see the growth of it, but ultimately it's been about our film challenge participants who have continued to make amazing films year after year and make the film challenge bigger, better, and ultimately spread disability inclusion. 
How did that partnership with Easter Seals come about, and, and what did they bring to the table that enhanced what you had been doing as an individual? Sure. So, you know, as I said, I started the Disability Film Challenge uh, in 2013. 2014 was our, our first film challenge, and, you know, it, it was somewhat of a small competition the first year. But what I got out of that first year is the impact that it had on all those people with disabilities that took part. They were asking me right away, when's the next film challenge? And I was like, oh, wow. And, and so ultimately I realized there was something here. And then we got, you know, a big mentor year two was Peter Farley, who is the Oscar winning uh, writer, director, producer of last year's uh, Oscar winning film, Green Book. And he came on board to mentor the, the best filmmaker in 2015. And so then it continued to grow and it just got bigger and bigger and ultimately Easter Seals, their mission is to change the way the world views and defines disabilities. And I've been very lucky that I've been able to speak on many inclusion summits. And, you know, I, I've been a disability rights activist really since I was a kid, speaking at the 11th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And so I, I came across Easter Seals, Southern California, and it just was a perfect fit. And the fact that their mission is to change the way the world views and defines disability, it's really what the film challenge is doing. And they really got on board with, uh, you know, helping create opportunities for people with disabilities in front of and behind the camera. And it just has been amazing because not only is Easter Seal Southern California, the largest disability services organization in Southern California, uh, they serve 13,000 individuals with disabilities but ultimately Easter Seals has 65 different affiliates around the country. So the fact that I've been able to tap into that network of people that truly care about disability inclusion, because we're doing screenings around the country at film festivals, including Heartland Film Festival. We have a, a virtual screening happening in October. Uh, it's an Academy Award qualifying festival in Indianapolis, Indiana. So for an example, when I go there, uh, not this year, because this is a, a virtual year, uh, for everything. Uh, but when I go there, typically I'm able to harness that Easter Seals affiliate and, you know, pack out the theater with people that care about and, and want to see these great films. Because ultimately there is a real lack of authentic disability inclusion in the entertainment industry. And I'm honored that the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge has been there to kind of fill that void. I'm going to ask an obvious question. Why is uh, inclusion in the communications and film industry important? Sure. Well, ultimately, we want to see ourselves represented. Everybody wants to see themselves represented. And inclusion has become such a hot topic. You know, historically, people with disabilities haven't really been included in these inclusion conversations. And I'm not sure if you're familiar, but the CDC just put out a study that said one in four Americans, 61 million Americans have some form of disability, but yet we're in less than 3% of film and TV shows. And out of that, the majority of those roles are portrayed by non-disabled actors. So ultimately, as somebody with a disability, we want to see ourselves represented because ultimately, not only are we seeing ourselves represented but it, it's gonna help uh, destigmatize disability. And representation in general 
get society used to everybody. And, and ultimately, it makes the world a more inclusive place. So the fact that people with disabilities are so underrepresented, we have nothing uh, but, you know, optimistic, uh, you know, like we're ultimately going to continue to grow and get more opportunities because the percentages right now are so low. But through the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge, I'm honored that we're changing those percentages. 60 plus million people is a huge tent and it represents people with all sorts of disabilities. What brings that many people together as a community? Sure, well, just as you said, 61 million Americans. And what's interesting about that is that the intersectionality of disability, that includes people of all different race, gender, ethnicity, religion, you know, so so ultimately, we're talking about a huge percentage of of people with disabilities. And in terms of what bringing what brings uh, all that group together, I, I would say the entertainment industry. What better platform than to be able to have film and TV, where you get a show like Speechless on ABC, where the lead character Micah Fowler, who was actually a film challenge participant that was nominated for Best Actor, so he was in a, a title role in a TV show. So now if you have cerebral palsy, and again, cerebral palsy intersects among all different uh, race, gender, ethnicity. Now, if you have cerebral palsy and you see Micah Fowler on ABC, then you're able to see yourself. So I, I feel like it's the media that, that ultimately has this amazing platform of getting behind the disability community. And, and beyond that, the disability community embracing these roles and, and these portrayals. In the years since you've been doing this, can you tell me one or two specific stories that have, you know have come about as a result of your film challenge? Sure. Well, you know, I, I'm honored that to date we've had hundreds of films created for the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge, and it's led to countless opportunities for people with disabilities in front of and behind the camera. But I'd like to give one uh, specific example. You know, we give amazing prizes each year. We have grants that are uh, given from a universal uh, filmed entertainment. We have Dell computers, we have Sony cameras, we have Adobe Creative Cloud that we're giving our winners. But we're also giving big mentor meetings. And, and as I said earlier, Peter Farley has really been a mentor and a supporter of the Easter Sales Disability Film Challenge since the beginning. And so uh, two years ago, he approached us and he said, Nick, we have an amazing role. It is a recurring role in a TV show, and it's for a little person actress. Do you have anybody? Do you know anybody that you think would be good for this? So now we were able to take over 10 films that starred little people, women in three-dimensional roles, and he was able to watch all of these films and see them in action. And he auditioned all these actresses, and ultimately a major recurring role went to Sophia Cheyenne, who's a little person based in New York City, who's been a theater actress, very talented, but hasn't had that opportunity to really showcase herself up until she randomly makes a film for the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge and then cut to her being now in her second year recurring on a TV show shot in Canada and a major career-defining role. And, you know, so that's, that's one example we, we also have uh, so many examples of people 
another example, Dickie Hartz, uh, who is a deaf uh, filmmaker, he used his film and ultimately he used that to submit to HBO's Project Greenlight and he ended up winning Project Greenlight. So these are just some examples. We have a, a, another film challenge participant who's going to be in a major starring role in a Netflix movie coming out next year. And literally they found out about her through the film challenge. This actress was a teenager and she didn't have an agent. And if she hadn't made a film for the film challenge, she never would have been discovered or had this amazing opportunity to be in a Netflix film. Well, you and the Easter Seals have kindly given us the uh, the rights to be able to show the winning films this year. So I want to go through some of the mechanics of the contest so people understand before they watch. So first of all, how many submissions did you get this year? Sure. So this year we had a record-breaking. We had 87 amazing films that were created. Now, as I said earlier, this is a timed film competition. So what I've known uh, through my career is it's much easier to get volunteers because this is all volunteer driven to take part and to, you know, ultimately make a film and volunteer for a shortened period of time rather than months. So typically you have one weekend to make a film. But this year, because of the coronavirus, we changed everything so that it was safe for all of our participants because the safety of our participants was the main priority uh, of us for this year's competition. So what we did is we allowed people to use pre-shot footage, some of that being family home footage, uh, some of that being uh, footage that they had uh, that they had rights to. And so we gave people five days to make a film that could not be longer than five minutes. We did give people an extra minute with credits, <laughs> which you'll notice uh, that we went a little bit over five minutes uh, for these films because they were able to use that extra minute. So ultimately, people had five days to create a film, and it had to be uh, authentically portraying people with disabilities. And this year, it was a documentary short film competition. So I, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised with the meaningful and really heartfelt films that you see with this year's competition and you're about to see the winning films from this year's film challenge which will screen at film festivals around the world but i highly encourage you all to go to our youtube channel and search easter sales disability film challenge we have 87 amazing films these are personal entertaining heartfelt and they deserve more eyeballs so we can't thank you enough for giving these films exposure well, uh, the uh, judges, uh, who sits in judgment of these films? What, who do you bring to the table uh, and help ensure their quality and help people learn through the process? Sure. So we are honored that we have a amazing jury of judges uh, on board with the Easter Sales Disability Film Challenge. Some of these individuals are really the top actors, directors, producers uh, with disabilities, but also with and without. So, for instance, we have the director of Crip Camp as one of those judges, Jim Labreck, uh, Danny Woodburn, who is a little person actor, activist, Mark Povinelli, R.J. Mitty from Breaking Bad, Jenny Gold, who directed a documentary, Cinemability, about disability representation. We also have Kat Coro, who is directing a, a giant Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson, Universal Pictures movie, and she's actually... Uh, created opportunities for Film Challenge participants from seeing them. Uh, we also have, uh, you know, film festival judges 
And we have the founder and CEO of IMDb, uh, Cole Needham, who is one of our judges this year, as well as a Hollywood reporter uh, critic. So we have a wide variety of judges. And what's great about it is, is it's also wide in the variety that it's, that it's judges with and without disabilities. Because ultimately, the film challenge, this is all about authenticity. You know, the, the disability community is a part of every aspect of this film challenge. The first video I'm going to show the, our audience is actually a montage of the finalists. How many different categories of winners do you have? Sure. So that's a great question. So we had three categories this year. This year we had best film, which is like the Oscar for, for best film. We had best editor and we had the best awareness campaign. Now the best awareness campaign is a campaign where each of the individuals are trying to get as many likes, views, and shares for their films. Because ultimately, the most important thing is, is about us changing the way the world views disability. And, and the best way to do that is through exposure. And so many of our Film Challenge participants were getting thousands and thousands of likes, views, and shares on their Instagram, uh, Facebook, and YouTube uh, uh, postings of, of the films. And we actually had this best editor category, uh, which is different because usually we have a best actor and a best director category. Obviously, there's no actor in documentary films. And ultimately, we decided, look, this is a documentary uh, competition from home. So we decided to make the best editor category to really honor those individuals that, that are really doing a lot of the, the hard labor in documentary films, which are the editors. And we were really proud that we had so many disabled editors that took part in this year's film challenge, including some of the nominated uh, editors. Well, let's watch and, uh, the uh, montage of the finalists, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more. This situation doesn't define me. Like, I have a disability, but my disability is not Natalie. Blindness, for me, it means strength and power because anybody that I've met with a disability has always been so strong. We're the great life hackers. And so when something doesn't work, we problem solve. We come up with solutions. I just called the Social Security Administration to figure out how close I am to losing my caregiver. And it doesn't say on the website and they don't answer the phone and they don't let you leave a message I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm Patrick Iveson, and when I was 14 months old, I was in an accident that left me with a spinal cord injury. Having an invisible illness makes you feel so alone for so many reasons. No one believes that you are sick or have significant challenges. In my case, people quickly found out I was not the pretty porcelain doll that I looked like on the outside. I lost friends because I was too intense, had too many problems, or was not available for social events because I was going through a rough period. Let me describe for a second what my age ADHD is like, like how it affects me, because it affects everybody differently, because I might be talking to you right now about filmmaking, and in the back of my mind, there's a voice that's telling me, you need to walk the dog. Did you return that phone call? What are you going to have for dinner? What are they going to think of me? Why am I ashamed? What about that email? What's your problem? You should be able to figure this out. Did you pay the rent? Work harder. Focus. 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 At 33, in 2016, 33 years old, that was my second time having to start over. Back to zero. Except for this time, I, I had 
half of myself, my physical body. I had to relearn how to dress, how to use the bathroom, wash my clothes, relearn how to cook. I was literally like going through like phases of life that I had already gone through. I can remember the first time that I was called disabled. We were on the Warner Brothers lot and we got in trouble because we were all parking in spots closer to the building and we all got tickets from the lot police. And one of my coworkers said, you should mess with the police officer and ask him, would you really make a disabled person move her car? And that was the first time that someone, you know, as an adult had called me disabled. She seems a, a positive person. Yeah, she kind of reminds me of homegirl from Law and Order. I knew she was gonna be nice because the way that she looked. She would fit perfectly with our group. She has a wonderful sense of humor. It was refreshing to see people form an opinion about me that had nothing to do with my disability. Did you happen to notice that Santino was using a wheelchair? No. She's a child of this world, and she has the same needs and the same wants and the same desires as any other kid. Her brain and her body are just a little different, but the way she operates in the world is not. I feel happy. You feel happy? You're happy too. I'm happy too, you're right. She is on her very own singular path. <laughs> that is a look at just some of the people who participated, the finalists in this year's Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge. We're, we're talking with Nick Novicki, who is the creator of the film challenge and now in its seventh year. Over those seven years, what's been happening with accessibility of the production tools that your contestants need to make these films? Sure. Well, well, that's a great point that you bring up. Accessibility is really something that is important to us in the disability community. And luckily, we have that historic legislation, which just celebrated its 30th anniversary, the Americans with Disabilities Act. So ultimately, accessibility, it's the law. And so we, uh, we really encourage all individuals, all business owners to really follow the law, but also to be thoughtful of those consumers that have disabilities. As I said earlier, 61 million Americans have some form of disability. And so accessibility has been huge for the film challenge. And ultimately, it, it's it's a, a bit unique in the sense that many uh, of uh, the movie theaters around the country that we screen at they are fully accessible and they do have those uh, handicap seating. And so they do follow the Americans with Disabilities Act. But with the Easter Sales Disability Film Challenge, we packed the house with people with disabilities. So at times we've shown up to a movie theater with 35, 40 wheelchairs in a small movie theater. And <laughs> so they're, you know, the, the movie theater, they're like, whoa, wait a minute. We got three handicapped uh, accessible seating in this. So you know, we've been really strategic and ultimately, you know, thinking in terms of entrepreneurship in, in how we can make this screenings fully accessible. There's been times where we've gone into movie theaters and typically you'll do a Q&A with the filmmakers and the cast and crew at the bottom of the movie theater, right below the screen. Now, most movie theaters have two seats, you know, or, or two stairs so that if you're in a wheelchair, you can't get down there. And sometimes there's a ramp, sometimes they're not. So what we'll do is we'll actually do our Q&A in the middle. 
And so we just say, you know, everybody in the front, please, you know, go in the back so that you could see the Q&A. And sometimes, you know, we'll make a joke about it or the individuals in the wheelchair will, will make a joke about it. Uh, but, but ultimately, we want to be there. And there's nothing that's going to stop us from our mission of ultimately creating more opportunities for people with disabilities in front of and behind the camera and ultimately to have more exposure of disability. And, you know, in terms of accessibility, you know, there's all kinds, you know, we make sure that all of our content is open caption. So we're actually making our films open caption so that the deaf community can fully enjoy these films. And, and that's for all of our films and everything that we post on our Facebook, YouTube, and, and Instagram channels. We open caption and professionally caption these films. So accessibility is very important in what we do. What about, you mentioned the, the prizes that you, and you give away hardware, software for filmmakers. Have the people that create uh, the hardware and software also be, uh, begun offering more adaptability tools for your filmmakers? Sure. Well, you know, I got to say Adobe is really leading the way in innovative technology. Um, I, I've spoke at a... Uh, the Pulse uh, UCLA conference with, uh, you know, one of their uh, key members uh, at Adobe. And we had a real in-depth discussion about all these accessibility tools and how they just are continually uh, innovating. And, and ultimately, they're seeing this as, look, there's a market of people with disability. There's a business case for us to being fully inclusive and to continue to innovate. And I, and I would say the same for Dell Technologies. You know, Dell has been a sponsor since year one of the Film Challenge, offering computers and ultimately being there every step of the way, helping us uh, make sure that we can continue to have our award ceremony this year, even though we had to do a virtual award ceremony. So there was so much technology involved in having me uh, be in a green screen studio and having logos and, and videos and zooming in our, our finalists and ultimately winners so that they could, you know, appear live. But I got to say that during this virtual year, I really, I call this a virtual year because I'm doing so many Zooms and uh, video chats. But this year has been somewhat amazing because it's kind of eliminated those accessibility barriers for people with disabilities. So if it was hard for me or, or somebody else that's a wheelchair user or, or somebody else that has physical difficulty, you know, walking, they can work from home. In fact, everybody pretty much is working from home. So now is a time where, where these companies are, are seeing the importance of, of innovation. Um, and, and I think the disability community is going to really reap the benefits. And I, I'm honored that we've been there with a lot of these companies and, and been there as a resource, as a case study, and uh, I, I can't thank all of our partners and sponsors enough. I, I can't literally thank you because there's so many. But if you go to disabilityfilmchallenge.com and hit the sponsor tab, you'll see our amazing list of sponsors. And we can't thank you enough for your support. So we're going to get on to some of the winning films, the first of which is in the category of Best Awareness Campaign. The winner is Rachel Handler, and her film is called How Much Am I Worth? Remind us again of the, the, uh, the standards for Best Awareness. What was it judged on? Sure. So the awareness campaign has numerous factors involved, including how many likes, views, and shares 
the films got during the 10 day awareness competition. And that's ultimately awareness through uh, press, through, uh, uh, you know, campaigns like, you know, ultimately that film had over 100,000 unique views on uh, YouTube, Facebook and Instagram. And so ultimately, this is a shortened period of time where these participants are trying to get as many likes, views and shares for their film. But ultimately, it becomes a snowball effect because, say, you have a, a smaller network uh, in Iowa, for instance. And that's actually uh, not a good example because we have a film challenge participant from Iowa that gets a lot of views and a lot of press every year when they take part in the film challenge. But ultimately, when one film does a great awareness campaign during that 10 day competition, it ultimately helps lift up and get more views for all of the films. Because when you watch one film, you'll say, well, wait a minute, what's that? Because YouTube literally starts playing to the next film during our playlist. So work leads to work and views lead to views. And, and ultimately they're all you know, connected. Well, here is Rachel Handler, How Much Am I Worth? Okay. No, that's fine. I understand. No, I don't need help with anything else. Thank you. I'm Rachel. I lost my leg in a car accident eight years ago, and I just had a surgery a few months ago and got this bill in the mail right after I lost my job due to the pandemic. Apparently, they were my anesthesiologist. I didn't realize that I would have to choose between being awake for intensive leg surgery or paying my rent next month. You know, when I got that bill, I felt like a criminal. It made me feel like I did something wrong when all I did was have a life-changing surgery that allowed me to walk again. And now I have a bill for $1,165.62. My name is Jaleesa Graham. Um, I'm a model, I'm an actress. I'm a mom and a foster mom. Um, and I was born with a limb difference. So I was born uh, missing the lower half of my right arm. My name's Denise. Um, I've been an amputee for a little over 10 years. And I currently live in Oslo, Norway, though I lived in the United States for the first 32 years of my life. My name is Andrea. I am a registered nurse here in New York. Uh, I happen to be one of the first registered nurses who uses a wheelchair to get through uh, nursing school here in New York City. I do get pains from um, overusage in my left hand actually. Doing activities and things that I do to make up for this, you know, the part of my arm that's missing. So I'll have shoulder pains, I'll have back pains, and it's mostly just from leaning extra. After um, I broke my leg for about 17 months, we tried a lot of different things, but uh, ultimately the best solution was the amputation of my leg. I haven't had a wheelchair from insurance for over the last seven years, and a chair for me cost upwards of nine, $10,000. Thankfully, I have great friends that will fundraise and crowdsource, but if I didn't have that, and for the rest of the community that doesn't have that, what do we do? Do we just say, okay, well, Good riddance, okay, put you in a corner, stay home.
the process of me actually getting my prosthetic was a very lengthy process. It was stacks and stacks of paperwork that I had to do and fill out. Um, and I don't know, ridiculous questions to me about why I would need an arm and why this is important. I'm gonna give you an example like, well, can you brush your teeth? And if you can, well, then you don't need, a, you don't need another arm. When I met my now prosthetist, um, I think he was appalled at the condition <laughs> of the foot that I had, that I was walking in. I just had like chunks of carbon fiber like flying out when he took the leg off. And he's like, how have you been walking on this and for how long? And why have you not had it fixed? I said, well, I'm American. <laughs> and as an American amputee, you just kind of learn to, you know, take it really like all the way to the end. In 2010, I got uh, deathly ill. I was diagnosed with osteomyelitis, which is a bone infection. I was septic, so it was in my bloodstream. When I was in the hospital, these doctors were coming to me. They were saying to me, um, I'm doing it to myself. I'm making myself sicker. Um, I'm not following their regimen, so therefore that's what's implementing me being sick. I feel like sometimes when you have a certain insurance, people aren't treated um, equally or like their pain or what they're going through is not taken as seriously. So he said, okay, well, you know, we're gonna order you a new foot, we'll get you set up. And he's like making this list and I'm starting to panic a little. I, I was just getting a little nervous because I'm like, I don't know like what this will cost me. And he said, the Norwegian community believes that these things should be provided for you. So that's that. And I thought, what a concept. <laughs> I just like truly broke down in tears because it's, it's just been like, I, I didn't realize how stressful it's been since the beginning. It's insane to me that we're so low on the totem pole for care. And when we do need to come together, we're, we're silenced. We're silenced because they're like, money is more than what you're worth. So then where's that money going? let me know because when i look at the stock markets i see that your company is still high which means that you're still bringing in money which means that i should be able to get what i need but no Rachel Handler, her film, How Much Am I Worth?, the top winner in the Disability Film Challenge's Best Awareness Campaign. This is a virtual world, of course, as you and I are proving in our interview this morning. Did you have an opportunity to meet Rachel, and can you tell us anything about her and, and uh, what she brought to this, this process? Sure. Well, actually, I've known Rachel for quite a while through the Film Challenge. She has actually been one of the original filmmakers of the film challenge. She made a, a film the first year and uh, she's an actress who actually was hurt 
um, pretty close to the time that we started the film challenge. And she found out about the film challenge. And ultimately this helped give her a platform and, and helped her back on her goals of being an actress. And the fact that she started to make her own work and writing and producing and directing her films through the film challenge, that's led to a whole other career for her. And she's quite a remarkable uh, writer who's always coming up with amazing scripts. And in fact, uh, two years ago, she entered the film challenge uh, with a film called Committed. And it was a great film. It was nominated for best film. And she took that film and she submitted it to the AT&T underrepresented category of their AT&T uh, film awards. And it won the underrepresented award, which came with a $5,000 grant. So, you know, some of these films, they have a life of their own. We've had some films that have screened at a hundred festivals around the world. And Rachel Handler, I, I know the sky is the limit for her. She's going to continue to work as an actress and, and really as a writer and director. Our next film to, we're going to screen is in the best edit, editor category. And the winner was Scott Michael Klum. Uh, and we are going to watch this. Again, they're all about five minutes in length. And then we'll come back and talk more with Nick Novicki. My name is Scott Klum. I am a filmmaker, a skier, and a friend. At the age of 23, I was diagnosed as autistic. I try to focus less on it being a disability and more on the opportunities and strengths that have shown through my autism. Had I been born 20 years later, it would have been much easier to get a diagnosis due to the increased awareness around the autism spectrum. However, this has helped me develop my support system of family and friends, including Martha, whom I would not have met without my diagnosis. Autism has made it so I view the world differently than others, and I use filmmaking in my everyday life, even during the pandemic. Three, two, one. Years ago, autistic people's special interests have been referred to as obsessions. I like to think of my special interest as a passion and career, which showcases my strengths. As a result, it has turned into a profoundly effective coping mechanism. Autistic people have the ability to hyper-focus on things for a prolonged period of time, which has benefited me when editing film for hours on end. Autism has introduced me to many friends, passions, and experiences I would not have had if I were neurotypical. My name is Scott Klum. I am a filmmaker.
Nick Novicki, what is it do you think that stood out to the judges about his film? Well, you know, he really made editing a part of the style of the film. You, you saw all those beautiful transitions, the way he was able to use the marbles, but also the way that he was able to to make an emotional attachment uh, to his autism. And I think the fact that he talks about editing, you know, everything about it, I think, was a truly beautiful and edited film. Luckily, I am not a film challenge judge. So if you're a film challenge participant and you're watching from home right now and you're thinking, hey, Nick, I'm going after you because I didn't win. It wasn't me. It was the judges. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he, he's truly a, uh, an amazing editor. And I'm honored that he made this film for the film challenge and also that he's going to get a mentor meeting with a senior executive in post-production at HBO as a part of his award. So I, I hope that leads to more opportunities for him. But, but something else I'd like to point out that he talks about in the film about how his autism actually helps him hyper-focus. And so a lot of times we're thinking, well, if you have a disability, you know, is that going to be hard for you to, to do this job? Or, or is there a barrier? Because a lot of times people in the entertainment industry and, and really the uh, Fortune 500 companies, they don't have the exposure of people with disabilities that, that I feel like we need. And now when you're able to see, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> he can focus for hours and hours. That's the perfect type of person you need for an editor or to have on your company in the post-production department or creating videos. So I just love that that was also included in his film. You know, in watching these videos, a thought that comes to mind is how valuable they would be in schools around the country. Uh, so many schools have uh, integration issues with kids with disabilities into their learning programs and how it would help both abled and disabled children understand each other better. Do you have a specific outreach to schools? You know, it's funny that you said that because we're actually working right now on uh, screening these films at schools and, and all kinds of programs related to that. Um, I have done numerous screenings. Um, you know, every year I do dozens of, of screenings because ultimately each of these films are owned by the participants. And so, you know, we have had Oscar winners and Emmy winners that have taken part in the film challenge, but we also have families that take part in the film challenge. And they do this because it's a family exercise and something that they're passionate about. One example of that is the Sox family. Uh, their son has Down syndrome, and I've literally seen their son grow up through the film challenge. They made a film every year, and I've actually talked at the Sox Family School and shown the films. They're based here in Los Angeles, and you, you know the pride that Liam Sox, who is uh, about eight years old and he has Down syndrome, the pride he has in in his films that, that that he makes and really the pride that the school has in Liam, it, it's really impactful. So we're really excited about uh, making this a, something that schools could really harness. And, and all of these films are online. So these are all available for people to, to view. And we want this to, to help change the way the world views disability and what better way than through children. We have 15 minutes left in our hour conversation with you. Um, before we show the grand prize winner, 
uh, for this year. A little bit more about yourself. Uh, you uh, said that you had a business degree. Is that right? How did you How yep. did you get into acting? <laughs> I, I think I took a very hard left. Um, <laughs> so ultimately, I I was an athlete as a kid, and I wanted to be a New York Giant, play football. But I'm three foot ten, so I learned pretty early that hey, wait a minute. I better find something else. And I had an English teacher, Miss Fish and I, um, who said, Nick, you're so good at these accents and impressions. Why don't you look into acting? So I did a school play and, you know, I continued doing community theater. And then I got a scholarship to Temple University's Fox School of Business, uh, double majoring in marketing and entrepreneurship. And even though I liked acting, I, I kind of felt like I wanted to create my own business and be in the business world. So I went to school in Philadelphia and early on in my school, I started doing stand-up comedy and I learned I was pretty good at it. I started getting paid. Uh, and actually I, I was doing speeches as a kid to raise money for little people of America. And I would always kind of start the speech with a joke about, uh, you know, kind of standing, you know, with the podium, Hey, who, who could see me, you know? And, and, and those speeches kind of continued to snowball. I actually was on C-SPAN, believe it or not. Uh, in 2001, I was a speaker at the 11th anniversary of the signing with the Americans with Disabilities Act, introducing the Secretary of Labor, Elaine Chow, uh, and Bob Dole was speaking at it. But, but ultimately, I, I learned always to try to break the ice with a joke. And so stand-up comedy kind of felt natural to me. And I continued to stay in school and I graduated. But then afterwards, you know, I, I decided to, instead of going into the finance world or uh, corporate America, to follow my dream. And that was to be an actor. And it, it was the right decision, but, but definitely one I wouldn't recommend for everybody because, yeah, you definitely have to have thick skin and you have to really be patient, believe in yourself. And, and ultimately, I think, be an entrepreneur if you want to be in entertainment, especially if you have a disability or you don't look like a quote unquote uh, typical movie star, which nobody really does. Um, you have to learn how to create your own content. And, and that's really been the genesis behind the film challenge. And, and really my whole career is do as much as you can on your own. Don't wait for somebody to create your dream, create it yourself. Your biography calls you an actor and activist. It sounds like in talking to you that this project has to take up an amazing amount of your time. Uh, does your professional work, uh, I'm going to use the wrong verb here, but suffer uh, because of the amount of time that you're spending to, with this passion around the film challenge and the related issues? Sure. Well, I, I don't... Uh think the word suffer. I knew it was uh, a terrible would, word as it came out, the but right when, you're making, <laughs> when <laughs> you're making choices I, about I words here. <laughs> for the film challenge, that, that this is something that I go to bed thinking about, and I wake up and I think about, and I love it, and I, I'm seeing the impact that myself and Easter Seals is making on the disability community, but I'm, I'm still, you know, a, a working actor, comedian, and producer. I'm just very good at multitasking, so I'm sending emails uh, while I'm... Uh, you know, getting ready to go up on stage or late at night. And also, you know, as I said, work leads to work. And the work that we're doing has actually also led to opportunities for me as an actor. Uh, I was just guest star on The Good Doctor. 
Um, and that opportunity, it was a role that was created for me by a wheelchair user, David Renaud, who is a writer in that writer's room. And we've worked with all these amazing studios, networks, and, and he kind of wrote this role for me as in a role that wouldn't typically be written for a, a little person because he got to know me through the work we're doing together. I play a, a salesman with two girlfriends. I'm happily married. That's not my real life. <laughs> but but ultimately, you know, I continue to be an artist and, and I just have never felt such a passion for, for something in my life, honestly, it, as I feel for what we're doing. So the answer is not suffer, but incredible time management is required there, right? <laughs> so it, it, let's get this uh, a very important fil film in uh, before we run out of time. And this is the best film in the Easter Seals Disability Challenge for 2020. It, the title of it is Fish Don't Care When It Rains, and it's directed by Jennifer Musumba. Let's watch. In the rain, your hold on me has changed. Though you were tough, I'm strong enough. So let it pour on me Though the water weighs me down Keep it coming, I won't drown I'm protected from the lightning And the thunder won't hurt me now Hi, I'm Gemma Simba. If you search the internet, you'll find I'm the only one in the whole world with that name. That's a lot of pressure, because if I mess up, it's all on me. I'm an artist. I love to create. I'm also disabled. I have autism. This is the story of how those things combine to make one unrepeated me. As I've gotten older, I've found that I love to garden. It's remarkable to watch a small seed grow into a beautiful plant yielding watermelon or pineapple. Huh, pineapples, that's a sensitive topic around here. Two weeks ago, I had an almost fully ripe fruit atop my pineapple plant. Let it ripen on the plant, all the garden articles said. So I let it sit, even though I knew he was out there watching. That fat raccoon that terrorized my trash can every night. He made his move and stole my pineapple, devouring the whole thing. Blimey! Blimey! The nerve, I thought. But then I realized something. He left me the stump, which contained the seeds I needed to grow myself another pineapple. I was down, but I was not out. I once was a seed. I laid buried for years, covered in layers of problems. There was obsessive compulsive disorder and anxiety, social difficulties, and loneliness. I wanted so badly to break through and soak in the sun, but it wasn't yet my time. So I waited, and just like a seed, when the right elements came into play, I had my breakthrough. I have lived in facilities since I was 15 to help manage my self-injurious behavior and impulsivity. Some of these places were all right. Most weren't. I got worse instead of better until life had just about devoured me. Then I moved to a new facility in Florida. I was replanted. In this new place, I was allowed to grow. I fed my talents. I surrounded myself in music and taught myself new skills, like how to create a vlog which is kind of like a video diary that the whole world watches. If there is one thing I know is true, is that we all learn in unique ways. And for me, art provided a better view of myself. Watching myself on camera made me painfully aware that I wanted to fix my face. I only had one expression. No wonder why people always thought I was mad. So I worked on different faces. Now I'm a comedian. Then I wanted to make friends because I've been lonely most of my life. 
So I joined the worship team at my church. We created together, fought together, sang together. Soon we were hanging out. And before I knew it, I was actually socializing. Over time, my forms of expression have continued to diversify. But throughout it all, my deepest passion is music. Music taught me to channel my feelings into a form that connects with people. Before, when I started to get frustrated or upset, I usually ended up hurting myself. But with music, I could take those abstract feelings and write them into a relatable tune that everyone could get behind. So what does my autism mean to me? Well, I've always been autistic, so I don't know anything else. Just like fish, they're already in the water. So they don't care if it rains, they're already wet. I don't mind being autistic. It's been the vehicle that defines my unique voice. Without my disability, I wouldn't be who I am today. I'm Jen, artist and pineapple grower. So let it rain on me. I'm just out here swimming. Torn and broken heart. All the fish don't care when it rains. They're already wet. It's just another day for them in paradise. If paradise is what they've always known. So what has life been like for Jennifer Masumba since winning this challenge? You know, she is just such an amazing artist. She has a YouTube channel. Uh, she actually got a lot of views for her films. Her films, you know, get over 25,000 views just on one of the platforms. Uh, she was so excited. When we did our award ceremony, uh, she was inside the zoom uh with all the other finalists and when she found out she won <laughs> we had to take a, there was such a pause you could see the joy and the shock in her i mean it was such a touching moment uh the people behind the scenes <laughs> told me after that they were all crying in the control room <laughs> because they she just was so touched when she won and and this is an amazing platform for her to showcase her talent She's in Florida, and through the film challenge, she's now meeting with executives from Universal Pictures, and she's had all kinds of amazing exposure for herself and her career. She was written up in Variety. Uh, CNN's Hollywood Minute covered her. So she's going to continue to do amazing in her career, uh, but I definitely think that uh, she she definitely got a little bit more exposure than she had the week before, and I think it was well-deserved for somebody who made such an amazing film. And, and again, it must have been really hard for the judges because we had 87 amazing films that were created. And this film, though, had something that I think, at least for me, it really touched on some personal kind of feelings. And she was so vulnerable and funny and just, you know, she, the camera loves her. So I, I see her in a a big TV show, a big movie, creating something. I just definitely see this not being the, the end of her career, but really I, I think a big launching pad to see an amazing next project from her. 
So as we close out here, in the week since we first contacted you to ask you about this interview, a couple of things have happened. First of all, major New York Times story in which you were one of the people featured uh, that is uh, talking about the Hollywood and inclusion of people with disabilities. And the Academy Awards and Oscars uh, announced uh, their new rules for the, the uh, awards program, uh, Best Picture Awards particularly. And among those for inclusion are people with disabilities. So in closing, let me ask you, you've spent the last seven years of your life specifically through this film challenge and most of your acting career as an activist for inclusion for people with disabilities. Are we at a point of inflection or is there still lots of work ahead? Sure. I, I really feel like the tide is turning right now. And I feel honored that through the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge, we're part of that change because these are filmmakers and participants that aren't just sitting and waiting, but they're actually taking action and they're creating films. And the entertainment industry has embraced us in a huge way. And, and I was so honored to be um, spotlighted in the New York Times. And, and, you know, in terms of the Oscars and them including uh, disability and, and really including disability as part of these inclusion efforts, that was a huge win for the disability community. But I got to say, it's the talent of people with disabilities in front of and behind the camera. The entertainment industry knows that we're there. And we're going to continue to work and get these opportunities. And I feel very optimistic about the future. Nick Novicki, thank you so much for the hour. Congratulations to all of this year's contestants and to those we were able to showcase as your category winners this year. Thanks for letting us introduce our audience to the Easter, to Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge. Thank you so much for having me. This was just such an honor. Thanks for listening to C-SPAN's Q&A. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you'll never miss an episode. And while you're there, please take a minute to rate and review us. You can also send us an email at podcasts at c-span.org with your questions, comments, or ideas. Your feedback is welcome.